1: Stay on target Maximum Stay on target Maximum Reed Rothbard <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian, and narco-capitalist perspective. Tonight, we're doing The Edge of Tomorrow. Tonight, we're doing The Edge of Tomorrow, and this is episode 166 of the show. You can find the show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 166. i probably be repeating myself quite a bit in this one, not only as a joke, but because I'm an old man and I tend to forget what I just said anyway. Uh, my co-host is Robert. How are you doing, Robert?
1: Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. Please forgive my illness. My voice is going to be a little bit weird, a little funky. But I woke up this morning with a sore throat, and it's only gotten worse over the day. So yeah. here he's I am, gonna, like a trooper.
0: He's going to be tone-loking it up. He's Funky cold Medina right here. But uh, uh, yeah. this will be, be a fun episode. We're going to have a, a very special guest. You can probably already see him on screen uh, when we get into the last Nerd Sports Show. We'll introduce him. He's not just a pretty face. He's also got some pretty good stuff to say. Uh, but, Robert, I just want to check in with you. I always check in with how you're doing business-wise. I know that you've got a uh, a bit of a hiatus coming up. At least for the business, because one of the main uh drivers of, of what you do is going to be taking a vacation. So as an entrepreneur, how do you how do you manage that? How do you communicate that out to your audience and, and keep them coming back when you guys are back open for business?
1: Well, she is on a super secret important mission. It's actually not a vacation. Um, what is the the issue at hand is that her brother, who is also an amazing Thai chef, used to live in the United States, but Moved back to Thailand and allowed his, what, green card to expire. And then when he went to get it again, they misspelled his name. But, you know, of course, English spellings of Thai name, just basic approximations anyway. So it's all kind of arbitrary. But whatever the reason, this misspelling means, you know, that he his paperwork's no good. And he's got to hire a lawyer and get everything back in control or back. Anyway, it's just a huge clusterfuck where... Everything's wrong, so he can't come back into the country because, and of course, you know, they <laughs> everyone I talk to seems to blame Trump for this. I don't know how much he has to do with any of this stuff, but it just sounds like typical government uh, terribleness in general. And sorry if my words are not super great tonight. I'm dealing with uh, body issues, so we'll see how well I do. But in terms of dealing with her absence, yeah, we wanted to continue the business with her gone but we just weren't able to get the staff to train them up to seamlessly take over for her while she was gone. And uh, communicating that to our customers, yeah, it's disappointing. We want to be there. We want to maintain our presence, but hopefully they'll come back when we come back. It is a small town. They don't have a lot of options. Well, at least the areas that we service are fairly small. There's no real competition. So we have that luxury, but I'd still like to maintain our presence. But anyway, we're going to be spending the next two weeks retooling the business and implementing a whole bunch of new features and uh, efficiency. So hopefully we'll be better than ever.
0: Come back bigger, better, bolder, stronger. And uh, just like in this movie, Tom Cruise gets better and better. (laughs) Groundhog Day ended up like Bill Murray to win the heart of Andy McDowell. And we will talk about it on the last night's portion of the show coming up in mere moments. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, and we are The Last Nighters, and Last Nighters can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. We're going to be talking about our Groundhog Day movie this year, and it's not Bill Murray. It's going to be Tom Cruise in the Edge of Tomorrow, and our guest is Jack V. Lloyd of the Voluntarius Comic, as well as many other projects we were talking about in the pre-show content, how many things he's got going on. He's running a little bit ragged, but uh, things are going really well, uh, so... Um, oh, by the way, this episode 109 of the show, you find out the show notes and everything at lastnarrows.com slash 109. But Jack, welcome back to the show. You've been our guest for Schooling the World. And then um, what was the other one? Uh, we talked about Wolverine, Logan and uh, yeah. Spider-Verse. So yeah. you, you are a friend of the show. We are a friend of you and your work. Um, we are the centerfold. We are the the eye candy in one of your,
2: your creations, uh, three years running. As you can see here, very beautiful. Last night, mm-hmm. look at that amazing artwork. I wonder who made that mm. amazing. Mm. <laughs> so yes, thank you for your support. It, uh, it came out great. So it's awesome to be back and it, it feels good to uh, just see your guys' growth. I'm sorry. You feel a little bit sick there, uh, Robert, but I, uh, I'm happy to see just how much progress y'all have made. And and I just love seeing all the transitions you have for your show and just seeing the, the growth over the years, just like, uh, you know, done more stuff with comics and things like that. But it's really awesome to, uh, just take a moment to appreciate all the hard work you put into developing your program and like developing all the aesthetic to it. It's really cool.
0: Oh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I don't feel worthy, but uh, we do appreciate it. And uh, your comic, you have that at Volcomic.com so people can order that up. And then um, we'll be doing another one this year. So you'll have another... Uh, campaign to support that
2: great question so um yes dot is where the comic universe is and i just did a little bit of retooling on the website cleaning things up adding some things so if you visited before and uh you know you didn't check everything out there's there's cool things to check out little insights to the universe this year i am not sure if i'm gonna do a campaign yet i was uh, currently uh, testing out this thing that hasn't really been successful so i've I'm, uh, I'm just uh, i'm kind of just you know playing with it but uh, subscribe starts kind of like Patreon, uh, basically, uh, you know, it's a way that people can support creators and, and help them produce more work. Uh, I launched that just to see, you know, what support we can do on a rolling basis and kind of have pages uh, come out, you know, on a rolling basis instead of way for a campaign haven't seen any support from that yet, but it's all good. I've actually still been making pages, uh, just because I want to, and I was just was so happy with su- the success of this uh, past issue. And it's so good. The quality uh, is so improved. I'm like, okay, I just got to keep going. And so on there right now, there actually are new pages uh, already there past this Origins 3 issue. So I'm probably going to end up doing another campaign eventually. Uh, I'm just not sure if I'm going to do that later toward the end of this year uh, as a little bit of a different thing, just because I'm really busy with red flag reality right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously it's never ending. It's like a life project hobby thing. So it's just never ending. Uh, I'm just going to figure out which means I I go toward and when I'm going to do it. so. So.
0: All right. Well, that sounds good. I, I look forward to being a part of that one as well, if we can. And then you mentioned uh, Red Flag Reality, which I understand is your latest project. Can you describe what that is, uh, You know, the elevator pitch, and then where people can find out more about that?
2: Sure, thank you. Oh, Appreciate it. Um, so Red Flag Reality is kind of this uh, project, like a film project, you could say, uh, where Philosopher and I are trying to push back against the gun grabber propaganda. And when I'm talking about gun grabber propaganda, we're talking about Moms of Man Action, March for Alive, Sandy Hook Promise, these major organizations that have millions of dollars to produce all kinds of viral media and professional videos to basically say that nobody should be allowed to own a gun. Um, and we saw the writing on the wall with red flag laws, uh, which if you're not familiar with those, it's just laws that allow the police to just take your guns uh, without any kind of meaningful due process. They have a petition with the court. You're not even allowed to be there. Uh, It's an ex party proceeding and they have a lowered standard of, uh, you know, what allows them to basically come and take your guns. And we saw that that was going to be a huge thing in 2020. And so we got ahead of that and, went ahead and produced this uh, kind of viral campaign and messaging to uh, gather support to produce some counter films and shorts uh, against these uh, big uh, or I should say well-funded and uh, well-produced gun grabbing videos especially by Sandy Hook Promise and they had several videos that ca- came out in the past few years that were pretty well done again they're they're in terms of production quality they're extremely you know well done um and we just want to knock those down and take their messaging and shove it right down their throats so we've been pretty successful so far uh i think we're um just about, uh, 30, we have 33 days left about out of a 60 day campaign or about $16,000 raised so far. We have the support of a major, uh, gun rights advocacy organization, farms policy coalition, and they're awesome. And they do a lot of great stuff, uh, you know, suing, um, in the courts to fight back against gun grabbers. So, uh, we have also, uh, David West as our cinematographer, um, who's produced a lot of great content, uh, debunking, uh, gun grabber myths and, and, doing things that kind of promote gun culture. Um, so he's excellent in volunteers as well. So it's a pretty big endeavor. Uh, but of course, you know, we're prepared to take that on because we have the experience, the know-how. So um, that's been the main focus right now, just because it's it's such a serious thing uh, that's coming up with all these different red flag laws being passed in various states that we're like, if we don't do something now, it's, it's that level of serious that, you know, it could be a true tyrannical takeover um, if it's not stopped, so.
0: All right, well, thank you for that. And uh, where can people find... More information about it is our website that they can go to. And we will have, of course, on our show notes page at lastnarrows.com slash 109.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, redflagreality.com. Um, on there, you can go and navigate directly to the Indiegogo. You can see the pitch video and some information about what we're doing. And it's just, you know, it's it's really come to a head at this point that if people don't actually do something we're going to see like real genocide. This, we believe this to be act, like the actual, like when people said, Oh, well, how did you know Nazi Germany get to where it was? The red flag laws are the Nazi Germany precursor. This is exactly what, um, you would expect a totalitarian regime. It's it's a unique thing, kind of like what civil asset forfeiture was for. You know, police stops, red flag laws are essentially um, the ultimate tool of tyranny uh, and way more direct violence um, than you know some of the other lingering things like the NSA and you know TSA and real ID. This is something that's you know kicking down your door level, so it's that serious. So we're trying to right. stop. It. <laughs> you know, we've we've seen that that with uh,
0: the. Upstate New York guy, the Patriot guy who uh, Mm -hmm. had the SWAT team come in at him. And then also uh, Virginia, lots of stuff going on there. And it makes me wonder, you know, we kind of maybe missed the boat here on our Tom Cruise movie of choice. Granted, it is for Groundhog Day. But Minority Report would have been perfect and tie in mm-hmm. with the Red Flag Law because it's the pre-crime
2: stuff. That's funny because I actually did w- or rewatch Minority Report within the past like two months. So that, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's like that. Um, there's no psychics, of course, you know, saying who should <laughs> who should be, uh, uh, you know, have, or have their guns confiscated. But it's in some ways it's that flimsy, right? Like it, it really is like that flimsy. Already in Colorado, uh, there was a woman who uh, there's a police officer who shot her son because he had a knife. And he was coming at the officer and she red flagged the police officer. Now, again, police officer issue aside, it was just showing already how it's being used as a revenge tool. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to definitely be amplified in that in that means in California, Colorado and other places where people can just, you know, submit a petition if they are your coworker or they say, oh, well, we have a relationship somehow. And it's it's really quite incredibly uh, scary how dangerous it is and how Readily, it's going to be used to persecute.
0: Yeah, scary stuff indeed. Well, I, I think that's a very worthy project, and people can check that at, at uh, RedFlagReality.com. That's correct. Yep, RedFlagReality.com. It's all there. Everything you need to see and hear about it. So, all right. Well, thank you, thank you for uh, telling us about that project, and we will get into our movie now with um, the Google description. How we start off, and I'll go to Robert for your reaction. Edge of Tomorrow came out 2014. It's a sci-fi action movie, one hour fifty-three minutes, PG thirteen. 7.9 IMDb, 90% Rot Tomatoes, and 71% Rot of Metacritic, and 94% of Google users like it. The description is, when Earth falls under attack from invincible aliens, no military unit in the world is able to beat them. Major William Cage, played by Tom Cruise, who is an officer who has never seen combat, is assigned to a suicide mission. Killed within moments, Cage finds himself, spoilers everyone, killed within moments. Cage finds himself thrown into a time loop in which he relives the same brutal fight and his death over and over again. However, Cage's fighting skills improve with each encore, bringing him and a comrade, played by Emily Blunt, ever closer to defeating the aliens. Uh, release date of May 28, 2014. The director is Doug Lyman, who is of swingers fame. And the box office with $370.5 million on a budget of $178 million. So uh, just over a, a, a double there. Uh, Robert, your take.
1: Well, this is a, a fun hero's journey story. It's the classical you know not a hero learns trains becomes a hero story and it's a it's, it's definitely a i'd say it's a fun kind of sci-fi action adventure time travel movie i i think it falls apart upon you know strict analysis of motivations especially of the alien invaders but overall i you know it's it's a fun popcorn movie i'm surprised it's not more i don't know more well i guess it's fairly well received but it wasn't like a huge blockbuster at the time i mean i don't remember it making very big waves they didn't like i guess it's a fairly niche i mean i don't know if you can make a sequel to this sort of thing maybe you could who knows they made enough money they could come up with something but of course it's um what was it uh based on a japanese story called all you need is kill and then it was alternately titled live die repeat i think these are all all excellent titles but uh yeah no it's 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 a strong fun action movie um I think we can get into the weeds, though. It brings up some interesting um, points that I think I want to make about the military and what they think of their own soldiers, and uh, we can get into that. But um, and then, of course, the, uh, the the parallels of World War One and World War Two that this movie likes to play with. But um, yeah, I don't know. It is good. I know you liked it.
0: Yeah. Spoilers, everyone. I, I said that in the pre-show, which is available for our Patreon supporters. Lastnarrative.com/slash/Patreon. Uh, I spilled the beans and said that I did like this movie, enjoyed it very much. Uh, What is your uh, response, Jack, to the Google description and Robert's opening comments?
2: I mean, I I agree overall. You know, I saw it um, when it first came out and um, I really enjoyed it. I thought that the action was satisfying and that um, the character development was fun. It's hard to not enjoy a lot of uh, Cruz's movies. Like he just plays that kind of intriguing character that you can't help but get wrapped up in, even though he's a a big Scientologist in real life. (laughs) So there's always that fun part. Um, But, you know, I thought that the plot elements were engaging, you know, the idea that the blood from the aliens caused him to repeat that loop. And uh, I think taking the Groundhog Day-style concept to, you know, battle with lots of, you know, big action and crazy aliens and suspense, I think that's a lot of fun, even though, like, the base concept might not be, like, absolutely unique. I think that it's still really engaging and um, definitely something that, it's right up my alley, <laughs> you know, loving, you know, superhero comics and like creatures and other stuff like that. So
0: yeah, very good. And and I, I did like that element where he repeated it so many times that he just became expert level. It's like playing a video game over and over again, the same level. And then you just get so good at it. You can do it really, really quickly. Like those uh, quick run throughs that people do, like someone can finish Super Mario Brothers in like 11 minutes or maybe less. I don't even know. I'm sure you can find a YouTube video on that. Um, but that is very reminiscent of, of Groundhog Day with great Bill Murray. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to, to bring up, and this is like a little bit of a somewhat personal anecdote, but, uh, when Tom Cruise is like trying to convey to people like, Hey, this might sound crazy, but this has happened before I've been, you know, experiencing this, I've been telling you guys, we're all going to, we're going into a trap or whatever. The first like seven or eight dates with my now wife, almost everything that I said was this might sound crazy, but this was back in my, you know, libertarian, um, (laughs) like, uh, evangel and evangelical phase. You know the Ron Paul stuff, and so it was. Uh, it, it was. It was my way of being able to like say whatever I wanted, and also kind of test to see if she was very receptive. And thankfully, she was. And now, you know, it kind of worked out. We got kids and uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the interesting things, and I, I don't even know if this this is like a hot topic, but when I first watched this years ago, it didn't stand out until watching it again recently. Uh, but the, um, you know, the alien invasion, Robert, you talked about their motivations. I feel like they're like just like a virus, like they're not there's not a little, whole lot of thought going into it, though. They they do have a very sophisticated ability to respond to threats. And um, because they have the ability to do the time loop, they're also improving their response to things. So, gosh, what, what the heck is my point?
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> you
2: don't know, yeah. Daniel. It's tied but, into um, liberty somehow. You're like yeah. every year. <laughs> you keep trying to tell people the same thing about this president. They're, I swear they call themselves Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter. They're going to still expand the state. They're going to still bomb the Middle East. And you're like, <laughs> I swear I've seen this before. I've seen this timeline. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, as long as their guy's in power, it's no big deal. But it's, it's <laughs> right. the other one doing the exact same thing. Then all of a sudden, yeah. it's never whoever, never whoever. I think maybe I'll do that as a like a, a that, that might be a good T-shirt for Trumpster.com there, Robert. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one point I wanted to bring up was due to the alien invasion, now there was this common enemy. And so they almost fell under this. We're gonna now work together and have this united defense force. So, like this world government kind of coalesces in response to the alien threat. And I wonder if that's how things would actually work uh you know in reality here. Um I, well, have I know
1: you... oh, uh, go ahead. I'm just I'm just gonna bring up you've you've heard um... Alex Jones talk about the uh, fake alien invasion plans of the U.S. government. Daniel,
0: uh, it's been many years since I heard any Jones, but I know Krugman I mean, said that that would improve the economy quite a bit.
1: Well, of course it would. Yeah, of course, because there's nothing better than fighting aliens. But yeah, Jones has been talking. I don't know what his evidence is. He's really terrible about ever providing any evidence. But, but he's he, got the you know, he says a lot.
0: It's admitted. He's got the
1: documents. It's 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 there somewhere, and he likes to talk about how that the U S government has a fake alien invasion. And then that would lead to world government because that would rally everybody around it. And then a lot of the um, what, like Hollywood propaganda is to desensitize us to it or something like that. I I don't know exactly how it all works in his head, but that's, that's what he likes to talk about. I think it was what you're kind of talking about. Is that true?
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe not tied to Jones specifically, though. I'm sure it does come at least from a similar path as him, but you've heard of like the Amero and, and things of that ilk uh sure the north
1: american dollar or whatever it is
0: yeah and i'm not sure like where that stuff all came from or where i became aware of it but uh it is in that similar vein and i do think that there have been calls for this especially going back to like the 1960s like hey there's certain crises that are big enough uh like the climate is is the one of the ones right now where we need to have a world government and so they're trying to like make these things fever pitch um you know catastrophic everything's dangerous you gotta like Look to government for your solution. So that's how they're kind of promoting all of this stuff, trying to get it to go through. And I think that ties a little bit into your project, uh, Jack, with the red flag reality, because a lot of people are touting all this rampant gun violence. But I think the statistics bear out that the United States does not, in fact, lead uh, in mass shootings. It's actually been a distorted and, and misrepresented figure. And it's actually far safer in the United States than in most places.
2: Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, in terms of, you know, that there's of course many other countries there's much higher uh, murder rates and other types of mass shootings and things like that. I was gonna say, um, if you want the whole history, because you mentioned Alex Jones the the government stuff, I can definitely uh dive into that a little bit to tie it to the film because um as you may remember, voluntarist is actually about that topic. The comic literally is is um about the government, you know, having a false flag to like unify and scare people, um, into, uh, you could say, uh, martial law slash, you know, mass tyranny. And, um, what you're talking about in terms of what, uh, Alex Jones and things like that speaking to is that historically the call for world government has been a longstanding thing from the league of nations, uh, which failed of course. Um, and then of course the modernity with the UN and the United nations, uh, there have been certain key power players, um, you know, historical families who want to have global government. Uh, because if you have a global government, you could have, of course, the greatest amount of control. You have thrones from where to uh, you can you know actually implement plans for control. And uh, there were actually uh, states that had a con- that had a uh, convention this, uh United States states uh, that they voted on whether to join a world government. Again, this was on the heels of the world wars, because the whole idea was like, okay, well, how are we going to stop these world wars from happening again, where so many people are dying? Like, well, if we unify people under global government, then we can stop these world wars. And and of course, you know, that was the the mantra that, you know, first, again, League of Nations, and then later United Nations. Um, So this idea of like, trying to scare people into a global government um, is a an old trope, but it's a true trope and it's, it's very historically documented and it's, you know, basic stuff in terms of, you know, many high schools talk about these things in terms of the development of the legal nations that didn't go through and then the United Nations. Um, and I would say that in my opinion, you know, tied to the comic, you know, reality plus comic and then tied to the movie. I do think that is the ultimate goal is to conjure a way to scare people enough into a unified global government system and I do think that an alien invasion-style thing could be that uh, catalyst. And for me, what I see as the most plausible in that realm is uh, has, has already been uh, done and experimented on. This is happening both, you know, in government labs and in other uh, countries, uh, you know, clandestine labs is working on human-animal hybrids, you know, chimeras. And the idea there is to see how far you can, you know, take genetic. Uh, epi- or I should say, epigenetic here, evolution, and if you have the right level of deception with advanced technology, and you couple that with you know uh, biological engineering, you can definitely orchestrate a seeming alien invasion attack it is definitely within uh reason and people who are like well how would I, you know anybody ever you know come up with this and then, like how they do this cl- clandestinely i mean it's so ridiculous uh because these are these are historical things that have already been done in terms of uh, experimentation on, on these levels, whether it was the, you know, the Nazis, and then they brought over the Nazi scientists and operation paperclip, um, to, you know, the atom bomb into the Manhattan project, which literally, you know, in terms of modern money was like a $30 billion project, you know, adjusting for inflation, a hundred thousand people worked on it relatively. They just left hand, didn't know what right hand was doing. So all those things are completely within, you know, reason, as far as I'm concerned for a means to scare people into that level, uh, of control. And that's part of, you know, the plot here. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of stuff and I, gotcha. we can
0: unpack uh, some <laughs> yeah. of that. Uh, but yeah, I think that, that you're right, that they do want to have that level of control because then they can have, you know, unlimited spending and unlimited control. There, there's a trend towards centralization. And uh, I think in the the schools, especially they train you that government is the only means of having a solution to any problem.
2: And that the free market, if if they mention it at all, is a great evil and it's causing all the problems. Right. And something important too, to piggyback on that, is to remember that government, in terms of the artifice of what you see in, you know, the, the superficial, those are not really the people in power in terms of who actually has the real meaningful power behind the scenes, because the people who are put there, you know, are funded and manipulated into those positions by those who want to stay abstracted from it so that they themselves are not under scrutiny, right? Like the people who actually have the genetic, that is the historical family bloodlines of real power behind the scenes, they don't want to themselves be exposed. They want to, you know, do their thing behind the scenes and manipulate what is in front. So people think, of course, oh, it's fair, right? Social contract, you vote, right? People think they're bought into the system, but in reality, what actually goes on behind the scenes is uh, largely in favor of and and at the beckoning of other people who you know have much greater historical power than those who are just you know fleetingly elected.
0: <laughs> so, so, so what we do see is basically Plato's cave, right? With the images mm-hmm. on the cave wall. <laughs> All right, Robert, do you have a has that sparked anything for you? That was that was quite a, a little trip, um, sort of related well, to the
1: movie. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of when I would listen to Jones back in the day and he talk about things like the Bilderberg group and the council on foreign relations and the, um, the Rockefellers and the, who is that? Who is that big banking family in England? Rothschilds. Blank, the Rothschilds. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I guess, I guess there's still some of those people around. Oh but, yeah. So they yeah, still I, don't have power. What, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know to what level they still have that kind oh, of power, huge. but for sure <laughs> they still exist.
2: Oh yeah. It's all real. Like all this stuff's real. Like, you know, the Illuminati was real. Adam Weishaupt secret society. Freemasonry is real. It's a real secret society. Um, George Washington wrote about that. And uh, there was a letter, you can go look it up on, you know, uh, the uh, congressional archives of him talking with someone from England concerned that the Illuminati had uh, infiltrated Freemasonry. Um, So, and I think it did based on the evidence that I've seen. So, you know, these types of secret societies, you know, are, you know, tried and true known things as, as far as power structures. And once you start to unveil those power structures and understand how those things work and the psychology behind it and the history behind it, then everything else starts to make a lot more sense. You know what I mean? you, you st- start to be like, oh, that's why there's this pyramid with an eye and new world order on the back of a dollar bill, right? Like that wasn't just placed there because some art major, you know, decided to like randomly put this thing there, right? <laughs> They're putting down what it is. That's their in-group signaling. They're showing, oh, okay, well, this is the people who are actually in control of this. So basically it is- what
0: you're saying is find us when you wake up.
2: <laughs> you <find> you more. <laughs> down more. Rabbit, rabbit trail. Oh yeah. It's, it's a big one, but it's, it's all very easy to find, fortunately. And that's because I think in many ways, you know, some of the people who have been a part of that got bold, like Carol Quigley and uh, others who've, you know, covered it. Like, you know, you mentioned the Builder Group. Daniel Estlin has a great book on that, um, talking about people that slipped him stuff from those meetings, like, you know, little memos and stuff. And, you know, Bohemian Grove, you know, their little meetings there and worshiping Moloch and stuff like that. It's all real stuff. It's, it's real. It's just that, tell a lot of people it's shocking, but to me, it's, it's no different than any type of, um, organization for power, right? You, you don't think it's weird. I mean, of course, unless you're just always atheist or something like that, you don't think it's weird that like there's Catholics out there and that there's a Vatican that's has secret, you know, Jesuit, you know, pre slash armed guards in Vatican city. Right. But that is still its whole psychology and worldview and secret society, you know, within there. And there's that for all kinds of things. There's many different power groups that compete against each other, but sometimes they have unified interests through a larger organization. Yeah. All right. Well, well Ah. said. All right. (laughs) Depends how deep you want to go. I mean, if your audience is ready, but some people are not ready for those pills, you know, it's like the matrix, right? They resist it. They're like, like in the, you know, the, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, right? They're like, what? You're crazy. What are you talking about? You're like, no, I, I've seen this before. I, I've seen this pattern. This is what happened. Right. And I like um, to tie it back
0: to the movie a little bit. I like how <laughs> when he started telling people things that they couldn't possibly know about them, they're like, what is this? You know, some kind of parlor trick. I'm not going to fall right. for this. Uh, like he was, uh, you know, able to read their tells or something like that, like a fortune teller might do um, reading a crystal ball. Uh, one other thing I thought that was kind of interesting and somewhat uh, of an admission was the Tom Cruise character. I, I, if I recall, he was conscripted into this and he had run an advertising agency and he was able to sort of select what branch he would go into. So he went into media because it would keep him off the battlefield. And I think there's a little bit of honesty to that, that people will navigate whatever system they have available to them for their own self-preservation. And of course he got kind of thrown under the bus as a result of that, um, with the, uh, the general pushing, putting him out on the front lines. And, and he even tried to, um, I guess, bribe him or blackmail him and, then he got had him arrested as a result of that. And that, that almost seems like worse than whatever Trump allegedly did, or actually what Biden did and Trump was like trying to find out about that we're finding with this impeachment stuff, which I've barely been following. But from what I understand, it's Biden actually doing crimes and Trump asking someone to look into it. And now Trump's apparently in trouble for Biden's crimes. It's 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 quite the the um three card Monty going
2: on there. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the nature of the stake is people trying to manipulate uh others and you know find their own kind of tyrannical favoritism within the system so the incentives are there for that
0: and i think we lost robert for just a moment i think he has a bad connection maybe but he's going to
2: come back to us in a cycle
0: and then it's going to repeat he's going <laughs> to time loop and we're going to start everything over again yeah and he'll be baptized and born again which i really enjoyed the um the bill paxton character as the drill surgeon hmm. um related to the movie they had like kind of this rough script and they were doing rewrites and changing things around the entire time and so a lot of the stuff that he did was really just ad libbed and uh, i i felt that the performance was really good on his part as well as tom cruise i don't know if you've seen any behind the scenes stuff with tom cruise when he's talking about what you know he does his own stunts for the most part um and then robert is back here he is um Robert, one of the hardest working men in, uh, the actual energy podcast here is back (laughs) with us again. Uh, we were just talking about how how much effort Tom Cruise puts into his movies, uh, doing his own stunts. And I was watching the behind the scenes for this one. And it's, it's crazy how hard he works at this stuff. Like he's really, really pushing himself, uh, and to get more takes in, in the day, you know, they only have a certain amount of time with daylight and everything when they're shooting outdoors. Uh, so rather than what they had planned was like, they're going to run, uh, the, you know, the march or the, the, the jogging, the running they're doing as a, as a unit, um, in the, the scenes, they, they play over and over again, where he escapes and he rolls under one of the big trucks. And the first time he does, he fails and gets run over by the truck. Um, well, they had to, you know, of course shoot that scene many, many times. And rather than take the little golf, golf courts, golf carts to go like the quarter mile back to the start, uh, Tom Cruise at age 50 or 51 would sprint back. And because he did that, everyone else did. And that's so they could get more takes in in the day. So he's very committed to his craft. And uh, it's, it's quite a sight to be, behold when you look at the behind the scenes stuff that, that how hard he works at this. And in fact, he had just wrapped on uh, Oblivion, which is a kind of a similar feel for that movie. It's the Morgan Freeman one where he's like flying over Iceland and stuff uh, going into collateral. So, I mean, he's like a nonstop dude uh, and, and he does great work, I think, ever since uh, the old Risky Business.
1: No, the guy's the machine. He uh, he's been putting himself into his movies and giving it it all. And he seems like he's having a really good time for decades now. And he's still, he's an old man and he's still doing crazy stunts. I mean, the, the craziest of which he does in mission impossible movies, but yeah, in this film, he, uh, I mean, he seems to put himself into it. He's not like a Bruce Willis where he's like phoning it in. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen the mummy or whatever. What was that? Was it Dracula or the mummy or whatever he did? Where supposedly it's really terrible, but I'm sure he was still decent in it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and, and speaking of sequels, they are actually making a sequel to this, um, and it's going to be more of a prequel where we see um, the Emily Blunt character become the Angela Verdun, Verdun, where she's got the helicopter blade and she's like chopping up the uh, the aliens because she was the first one who had gone through this time loop, like she had acquired this power by getting the alien blood on her, and it's sort of just like presented as she's so amazing in the opening to this movie but it's because she had that power and she had relived that day multiple multiple times and got really really good at it and so that was a time loop that like continued on into the start of this movie but then she lost that ability and then Tom Cruise got that ability so then he got really good and i i thought that Tom Cruise he played that really well like in in the initial first couple of times he's going through the motions through the the battle scene he really does look lost and like confused and not sure what to do i mean you can see all that on him and then later on He's fucking badass. I mean, he's just like, he knows where everything's going to be. He knows exactly what to do. And it's believable. So dude's amazing.
1: Yeah, he's playing a video game on God mode that he knows where everything is and what's going to happen. He's like playing it like a programmer would for sure. But what would have happened if um, like more than one character has this power? Like if Emily Blunt's character still had it, would he just be going along and then all of a sudden the day would have reset even though he didn't die because she would have died? That's yeah, pretty, yeah. You, I don't know. It's,
0: it's, you, you can't so. ask these types of questions because then the whole thing yeah, just on itself. So Is we it have camp? to only one can have the power at any given time. And in fact, that's what I thought was happening because um, apparently the aliens were able to have this power, and so they they could repel this invasion. But then they, because Tom Cruise had the power, then they didn't seem to be able to counteract him. So maybe yeah, why didn't
1: they just reset the day to when before he had the power, so that their alpha was still alive?
0: Yeah, see, you you're breaking you're breaking the movie, Robert.
1: Yeah, I'll break the shit out of it. I don't care. I didn't so know this movie.
0: That only one one entity can have this this power because there's only I mean, granted, No, you know, that's not
1: true. Not according to the movie. All the alphas have the power and the big mother brain has the power.
0: But weren't they all connected?
1: They're all connected?
0: Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So I think okay. theoretically they lost the power while Blunt had it and then had it again, and then Cruz got it, and then they didn't have it until Cruz died. And then he was down with his last token, his last life to (laughs) uh, do the Louvre attack.
1: Okay, I'm going to read a YouTube comment to a video that was talking all about the the problems of the Edge of Tomorrow. And you guys tell me if you think this makes sense. I think it does, but maybe we can talk about it a little bit. Okay, so the Omega is a single time-controlling entity. The Alphas are the extension of itself, and the Mimics are its army. An Alpha dies, the Omega resets the day. So, when the Alpha's blood gets on Cage, it reads that entity as another Alpha. Therefore, he retained his life and was sent back to the previous day. So, this means that when the Omega's blood gets on him, he doesn't just also kill the Alpha and reset the day. He became the Omega a moment before his death. And when the Alpha died, he reset the day. So, this is at the end of the movie. When the Omega's blood gets on him, like at the end when he's like throwing the grenades and he's swimming and whatever... He doesn't just kill the Alpha and reset the day. He became the Mother Brain character a moment before his death. And then when the Alpha died, he, Tom Cruise, reset the day. This is why he was still alive and the Omega wasn't. He almost died after killing the Omega, but when he retained the Omega's abilities and then the Alpha died, he reset the day as the Omega. So at the end of the movie, he is this Omega time-controlling entity, but he doesn't have any Alphas anymore, so then he can't reset time.
0: All right, I I've don't
1: gone cross, I've gone cross crossside. <laughs> I know it's a little bit confusing, but I this is internal logic of a movie is important unless you just want to turn your brain off and have fun and watch a movie. which is fine.
0: Yeah, now per my understanding, I think Jack, you, you were of the same opinion that only one entity could have this power at a time and that the aliens were all technically one collective entity. And once they lost it, Tom Cruise had it, but then he had lost it as well. And so he was down to his last opportunity when he did the mission over the Louvre. And then when he blew up the Omega with the grenade,
2: then he got the, he reacquired this power. I think he just became an operating Satan in Scientology. That's what happened probably. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the cruise ship.
0: <laughs> but wouldn't Cruz then have to die to not reset that day to end the time loop? Like, how does that work?
1: No, that, that, that's what this comment's talking right. about.
0: Right. No, 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 it's It's if he doesn't die, then then the day is like written in, in pen instead of pencil. That's right. So like when he's yeah. on the uh, recovery table, he's strapped down and like it looks like he's going to live that 24 hour period or whatever. Then that's going to lock in that timeline. So whatever, you know, Greenwich Mean apparently is the deciding factor. It's like, you know, international dateline of committed to the history books. <laughs> the, the timeline of events will actually have happened and, and retain Um, apparently if he's alive, then whatever that day is. So it's only days where he dies, where he's going to repeat that day. Is that, is that.
1: Or an alpha dies
0: the working theory. Okay.
1: I, I don't know, man. It's, I think if you think about it too much, it becomes a bit of a mess unless you can (laughs) like firmly believe in something. And then it makes sense, but I don't know. It's still fun. Probably
0: have to to watch it again to like try to get the nuance, but I I know that I won't, I'm not that committed. I had (laughs) a good time watching this. It's like a popcorn flick movie. And if I could shift our topic just a little bit um, when he meets one of the um, drill sergeant guys, I, I don't know if it's the Paxton character or someone else where he says um, that he's an American. He goes, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. I thought that was brilliant because he's yeah. like, you know, I'm not, I'm not an American. I'm, I'm a Kentuckian. I, that's <laughs> my country. Cause theoretically that's what the States are supposed to be. They're supposed to be their individual countries that are kind of amalgamated together. And of course that's all lost now. Nobody nobody thinks that way anymore because of course we're not taught that anymore in uh in schools and even that as an anarchist would be illegitimate but decentralization is better than centralization so i will say uh, the economic question if compared to what it would probably be better smaller states smaller smaller
1: smaller states states. more competition between states sure maybe that's why so many people are (laughs) fleeing california right now
2: you can have a lot of you can have a lot of little tyranny. That's, that, that's also a possibility.
1: <laughs>
0: right? Like we're staying in Virginia,
2: right? Yeah. And apparently it's just little pockets of Virginia that happen
0: to be a that are kind of pushing that over the entire rest of the state.
2: And more so just the money that was funneled in there from outside interests. You know, every town through a couple million, you know, Bloomberg ran through them. So they got an off year and they knew they could, you know, flush it up get some activism going on. Like the uh, governor, like shook a bunch of hands and stuff like that. A lot of doors. So yeah, it's just, you gotta, you gotta take action. Like Tom Cruise. You gotta Tom run. All about that action, baby.
0: <laughs> um, I also liked when uh cruise like starts getting better at things. He mm-hmm. almost does similar to Bill Murray in groundhog day, a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. He tries going around mm-hmm. saving people, saving, you know, the guy who's going to get hit by the, uh, the landing craft or the drop right. ship. And then, eventually after however many hundreds of additional times he goes through this, he stops carrying it all. He just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, ah, oh, you know, that guy, he, he gets killed every time I go through here. So I'm just going to like forget about it and just move on. Uh, and that's when he gets like super badass Um <laughs> and just doesn't give a fuck anymore. But uh, I wonder how many times he would have had to go through these events to get that good at them. Because every time he changes something, it's going to alter anything from that change. Right. So wouldn't that, also be a bit of a glitch in the matrix here. Yeah, I think if
1: you're if absolutely right.
0: Anything then anything beyond that would then be changed.
1: Yeah, the, the movie kind of takes the day of the invasion as this set of events, not taking into account the different things that Tom Cruise does each time, for sure. Like like the mimics are gonna react to the things that he does, the changes in what they see. So yeah, it's it's a it's an incomprehensible set of variables that yeah, nobody could actually predict,
0: right? And then when he was trying to convey to um, the Emily Blunt character, like w- when when they were finally teamed up, and she understood, like he has the power now, and she knew that it was the same power that she had, so she knew kind of the ins and outs of how it was allegedly supposed to work. He was rehearsing her the steps, and then on the battlefield, she would go through and do them based on what he had told her. So he's going to tell her every event like when they finally start getting further along and they're like going to the farmhouse and finding the helicopter and all that stuff, how many hours do you have to like tell her, okay, at, you know, 1201 and 42 seconds, you're going to dive to the left because there's going to be a mimic who's going to jump in from the right. Like how many times would you have to go through that? And then every time for her, it would be as if, it, (laughs) it would be as if it was the first time. So there's no way in hell that he would ever be able to transmit that amount of information to her in a way that she would retain it in a useful way.
1: Yeah. She would have to be some sort of computer. There's no way she could remember all that for sure. You have to to suspend your disbelief a lot during this movie, but it's, you can.
0: can I'm starting to hate this movie. now. Definitely a popcorn flick. Um, Well, let's see. Um, That was pretty much most of my notes. So uh, Jack, is there anything
2: that you wanted to bring up that, that you, you found interesting or, or had a note on? Um, not anything in particular we haven't already covered. You know, I did like like the idea that he would even kill himself to ensure that he can keep on with the mission by drowning himself. You know, I thought that was a cool concept just that he was that committed that he would be willing to off himself for the sake of ensuring that he didn't get caught. I thought that was that was fun to show on screen. Now, what me through
1: that dedication?
0: You you mean in in real life as an actor he was under the water and willing to die for the movie or are you saying his character his was willing his character his character? <laughs> Because that was when he was on his last life, right? Because yeah. he knew he no longer had the power, but he also figured that none of them were getting out of there. But he was willing to make the sacrifice to like stop the, all right? Yeah. Stop the aliens. It's pretty cool. You yeah, know. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, any notes from you, Robert, that we haven't covered already?
1: I got all kinds of notes, <laughs> but I don't know how how much into the weeds we want to get into them. I'll just read them off, and people can react if they like him. So initially, Tom Cruise is this propagandist guy. He's trying to get people to join up the fight. I don't know how necessary his position would be if a group of aliens really were invading the whole planet. I think recruits would come. I mean during World War II when there was the you know, Pearl Harbor, like men signed up in droves just when it was the Japanese that were attacking. If aliens came from outer space, I think they would have no problem with the number of recruits. But anyway, we'll take the movie for what it is and we'll accept it. Um so he's this talented advertising guy who can really get people to join up. And so the this commanding officer, he's like, well, I'm going to send you to the beach. And I don't care if you get killed. You're just a pawn to me. It's fine. But then Cruz is like, but I am far more valuable to you to get more recruits, get more men into the fight. Why would you want to throw me away like that? You don't want to take advantage of the division of labor. And the commander's just like, whatever, I don't care. You're pissing me off. You're going down. I'm using you in the least efficient way. You're clearly not combat oriented. And I mean it's gonna chuck you in to the meat grinder, which is basically what happened in World War One. Um, so this is kind of a fun allegory for that, where generals would just throw waves of humanity at each other into the teeth of the machine guns to be essentially mowed down. So that's fun. I mean, I, I put here military does with its with its slaves what it likes. So they don't care what your particular talents are, they're a killing organization and they care how much killing they can get out of you. Uh, so that's what I have for that.
0: Yeah, now I'd, I'd like to respond to that because it's kind of an interesting thing because Jack, you'd brought up something earlier on about uh, why people like to drive towards this one world government kind of solution to war without seemingly realizing that twice as many people have been murdered by their own governments than by war in the 20th century. So it's not like you're really improving the situation uh, all that much. You're probably actually making it far more dangerous for people.
1: Well, and it reminds me of the hero movie we did, Daniel. Remember where it's like the, the story of the first Chinese emperor where he's trying to unite China so that they can have peace finally, right? Right,
0: yeah. we enough like, people, we'll have peace.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kill enough people, you unite China, and you'll have peace. And no one will ever resent you for killing all those people, and everybody will be super happy, right? Now, blowback
0: hadn't been invented yet. So. Oh, okay. It wasn't a thing yet.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Well, it's certainly true. Those who are uh, at the helm of those things want as many people dead as possible. So they want, you know, basically anyone who's superfluous to their plans to be offed and to reduce the global population down to a manageable number, um, where you know those who are the more technocratic or you know engineering scientists, you know, group provide the needs for those who are in elite power, and they can limit uh what people can do or say or how they can rebel so you know that's in order to get to that you need kind of a full take spying system and mind control and so you got that nsa or uh Tempura in england and um social credit system in china you know and their compulsory schools and things like that so things are careening toward that end uh toward totalitarianism and controlling everyone you know from cradle to grave um and certainly that kind of control that you know, the chinese government has rolled out is nearing implementation here as well so
0: Right, yeah, yeah. That sounds a lot like the uh, Georgia Guidestones stuff as well, getting it down to, what is it, 7 million people, something like that? Yeah, 500 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, 500 million, okay, I thought it was less than that. I haven't read, them, haven't read them lately. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: that's and, pretty accurate, yeah.
0: And then, Robert, to your point about you know the division of labor and like misallocating the resource, because Tom Cruise actually was valuable in his capacity for what he was doing, because as depicted in the movie, this is a period of time where the aliens are winning you know significantly in demoralizing the character of of people willing to go and fight because they're getting just slaughtered until the angel of verdun actually has a victory which turns out to have been a trap it was to lead the humans into believing that they had a chance so that they would throw everything they had at the normandy invasion so this was a um
1: i take issue with that statement by the way but go ahead <laughs> oh, okay
0: all right i don't know the particular name of this trap but it's like to to feign a, a loss so that then they'll induce them they'll to overcommit th- to overcommit and then just annihilate them and wipe them off uh, the face of the earth. Um, So, but, but I, I feel like the general just kind of had a vindictive streak against the Tom Cruise character because he just didn't like him for whatever reason. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go sentence you to death basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, but uh, to the, um, the angel of Verdun situation. So she says that they were allowed to win at Verdun. So it was in the enemies, the aliens plan for the humans to win. At Verdun, right? Am I wrong? I think this is correct, right? This is the, the movie yeah, tells that's, us. that's the trap. Okay, so the only way the humans won is that Emily Blunt got this power and she was able to run the same damn fight a thousand times and then they were able to win. So how was that part of the alien plan? Why not just plan it to lose? Why plan it to have her get the power and then have to do it a thousand times and then win? That makes no sense to me.
0: So you're just basically okay. saying that they took extra steps. <laughs> like, why not just throw the fight, you know, go down in the in the eighth or whatever, like Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction?
1: Yeah, why and, make it so convincing? I mean, maybe. Maybe it's right. a super master plan.
0: Why let Emily Blunt get so skilled? Because that is their undoing eventually. It's part she, of their undoing. She's highly skilled, even though she hasn't relived the moments with the Tom Cruise character in a way that she would remember. In a way, this is like you and me, as if we were going through the motions of, you know the same thing over and over again, like doing the show 108 times now. Um, yeah, you think we'd be good I, at it by now? We, yeah, yeah. But you actually remember stuff, and I don't. So, in effect, you're getting better and better by repetition and doing it over again. And I, I have mm. no memory. I don't recollect anything.
1: Oh, okay, right. Well, every day is a new day for you, so it's good.
0: every everything's new to me all the time. I'm all right up, so by I think, the way. I think we talked to that <laughs> talk that to death. Uh, how about one more note and then we'll, uh, start winding this down. Cause we are uh, almost to an hour here.
1: Well, the whole mother brain ability to go back in time. I mean, the one day thing is completely arbitrary. Why didn't she go back into a time when humans couldn't fight back? Um, the armored power suits look neither armored nor powered. They're super vulnerable and they move slowly. I mean, they've got a lot of weaponry, but these mimics are like super fast. Like they'll just like be in the sand and then you'll be dead. It seems like they're super inefficient way to fight these things. I mean, if this is the best humanity can come up with, is to plant a human being in this like lump of metal and then just like sit there and get killed. Uh, It looks kind of stupid.
0: Maybe they were taken after Ripley in her exo suit, you know, like, (laughs) well, she won. So, you know, why don't we do this? And I guess that, uh, the actual, the U S military is actually working on things like that, where you can marry up a soldier with some modifications like this to be more effective. I think that it's part of like the, the Japanese anime that this is based on sort of like the, um, akira type stuff and mm-hmm. mech mech warrior type yeah. stuff to where you know you you are more powered than you would otherwise be i mean they would just get totally slaughtered if they were just like wearing you know like the um the space force has camo apparently mm-hmm. because you can't be seen in space with camo uh but yeah if you were just wearing like fatigues you would just you know stand even less of a chance mm-hmm. than it where... reminded
1: me of the the power battle suits in the matrix the last matrix movie mm-hmm. remember that
0: I don't remember that. I've blocked that from my memory. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, that, read, that movie yeah. doesn't
1: exist. Okay. Never mind then. Wait, but that there these right? big clunky suits where they're they're fighting a really fast enemy. They can just poke a guy in the brain and they're dead.
0: Oh, you're talking about in the Zion, like the, the underground? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The real now world. world. Now recall that. In the yeah. real
1: world, Daniel. Come on, wake up. Take the pill.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You, you've got a point, yeah. But I I think it's another, you know, compared to what, like, what, what otherwise could they have had?
1: They could have had nothing. They could have just had guns and ran in there. You've been faster. You could direct your fire better. You could have firing lines.
0: Did you know that in the, in the movie that they actually made these things and people wore them and they weighed like 80 or 90 pounds?
1: Yeah. Shitty. And they had to (laughs) like use them like puppets with big cranes and shit. Makes them look stupid. (laughs) I mean, I still like the movie. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't look like, you know, super power suit until like maybe back the, the middle of the movie when Tom Cruise is like running around and just shooting everything like it, like he's Neo in the Matrix. But yeah, but before be, that- He's
0: God-moded it up.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, here's another stupid thing. Why, I mean, it looks like, okay, real soldiers in real life were sent to Iraq without even body armor. Like they had to like do Kickstarters and GoFundMes just to get body armor. But in this movie, they'll take some scrub who doesn't know his ass- from a hole in the ground about fighting and throw them in this, what half a million dollar suit. And then it doesn't even, don't even teach them how to take the safety off. I mean, come on, come on. There's
0: many
2: plot holes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I did appreciate there was a scene where they're actually showing the, the suits being made. So at least we get a glimpse into things being manufactured and created, which you don't normally see in a movie. Like we're talking about in the village, how, how this very isolated insulated village that apparently has no, trade with anyone has all these material goods of the era you know like the late 1800s even that would be far too abundant for such a small community to be able to manufacture on their own that was one of your plot holes in that one my mm-hmm.
1: main criticism of that movie, economic <laughs> criticism of that movie anyway still like it still liked it good movie and that was and a good thing with this one
0: yes this was a this was a good movie why don't we get a final summary and review and uh, why don't you start us off there Robert
1: all right so the day after The Edge of Tomorrow is a pretty stinking good Tom Cruise popcorn flick. It's got a good um, hero's journey narrative where you take some scrub that doesn't want to be even in the fight. And then by the end of the movie, he's the super hardcore action hero badass. But at least, you know, he realizes he's, you know, sacrificed everything for the fight and to win and whatever. It's basically a good narrative. You know, I mean, you actually have a, a beginning, a middle and an end in this movie. It's, it's kind of novel where you actually have a character that grows and changes over time is becoming more and more rare in films these days, but it's nice to see. And uh, for all its flaws, I still really enjoyed it. Um, I can, I can hand wave away all my issues and just sit back. I remember watching this the first time many years ago, back when it first came out probably or shortly thereafter and just totally enjoying it, not really thinking about it. But now that I got to do this for this podcast that I have to continually do over and over again, um, you know, you, you point out the flaws and, it's fine though. It's fine. It's good. It's a, uh, it's a seven point, you know, I'm not going to go with a 7.5. I'm going to go with a 7.4. Yep. That's All right. It that is.
0: makes it seem more precise, right? Cause you're not like on a, you know, a halfway <laughs> increment, something like that. So it seems more legitimate this way.
1: Yeah. 7.4. So that's exactly what it is.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Jack, you're, uh, final summary and your score one to ten and you can go even two decimal points deep. <laughs> <these laughs> point
1: seven point four
0: nine.
2: nine yeah no it's an entertaining movie um you know i think the character development definitely is much better than many action movies today i mean it it definitely falls into that uh zone where a lot of the films of that time i think uh were doing a lot of gamer play style things like you know kind of mimicking video games in a sense i think that was unique during that time like you know like the doom stuff and this or that so i think it's an entertaining movie um you know there's plot holes of course but i think it's a it's a solid fun thing to watch you know i don't think your worldview will be radically challenged but you'll be thoroughly entertained
0: <laughs> all right and that was a 7.49 so very yeah, 7.49. particular okay so granular <laughs> all right well i uh also enjoyed this movie as i said at the very beginning though based on our discussion i might actually demerit it just a little bit but tom cruise of course is still very strong especially when you watch the behind the scenes you see how much effort he puts into this stuff i think that this is a movie that you can enjoy so long as you don't overthink it like i thought that the premise was actually very interesting You know, you're playing with time and like moving back and forth and like improving and getting really good at something but then as we have kind of parsed it apart you're like okay well actually none of this even within the structure of the logic of the movie could actually function uh so unfortunately it kind of falls down on that but Cruz was great um blunt is good uh i enjoyed the bill paxton character uh who he sadly died just a few years after this was made um but uh, i do look forward to seeing the next one that they're going to come out with they're they're doing the sequel and it's going to be the same director um I enjoyed Doug Lyman's Swingers, and uh, he's done some other fine work. And uh, I, I look forward to additional stuff coming from him. And I'm going to go with a 6.923, so <laughs> even more granular. So therefore, it is far more significant. Um, and speaking of significant things, uh, this was our Groundhog Day episode. Uh, next week, we're going to give a little bit of a, a taste for the audience who have heard us mention kathleen turner overdrive which is the bonus content that we offer for people and it's available as uh, patreon content so go to last Patreon, and you can find some of our previous kathleen turner overdrives but we're going to go to the movie that brings that entire concept uh to fruition and that is high fidelity uh with Nikki p and he has his new show it is peace freaks and freaks is f-r-e-q-s like frequencies um and they were formerly known as sounds like liberty we've had him on for um dark city and there was something else i don't quite recall it at the moment but i will put it on our show notes page and we will have him on next week for that for high fidelity so um jack thanks again for being our guest i hope you can stick around for a little bit of the kathleen Turner drive that i just mentioned and if you could please remind people where they can find your latest project
2: and your comic absolutely no thanks for having me on it was a lot of fun and uh, again, if you want to check out the latest and greatest uh, voluntarist issue, of course, it has a beautiful spread in there. You can you can basically hang that and put it on your wall and frame it, right? Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun at volcomic.com. It's V-O-L-C-O-M-I-C, volcomic.com. And then Red Flag Reality is the big thing I'm working on this year. So that's redflagreality.com, Pushing back against the gun grabbers. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and I'm excited for more things for y'all.
0: All right. Thank you for that. And Robert, why don't you tell the audience what they win if they choose different ways of supporting us? And then we will uh, wrap this up.
1: Oh, man, all the virtual hugs that get all kind of saucy and dirty if you really want to get friendly with us and support us in every way you can think of. I mean, any any way. I mean, I'm open to new ideas. I like to try new things. I mean, hit me up.
0: All right. Good enough. And uh, last... LastNighters.com slash Patreon is is one of the ways you can support us. And you can also subscribe on the old YouTube, give us a rating and review on iTunes and or Apple podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days. And of course you can find us at LastNighters.com and the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. And we will say goodnight from last night, everyone. All right, and I got another few minutes of the Actual Anarchy podcast before we actually do get in the Kathleen Turner overdrive um, for our Patreon supporters. Um, and I actually remember where I lost my train of thought earlier on in the episode. Uh, I was going to ask about whether, when you guys saw this for um, the first time as compared to the most recent time, if the aliens invading Germany this time around kind of made you think of the immigration, migration stuff going on, because that's what it kind of sparked for me but not back in 2014 when this movie came out, but of course now. And you hear about these things going on in Germany and in Sweden and places like that where there's all the immigration from uh, countries that are being devastated by Western militaries um, causing like this culture clash in these predominantly, you know, homogeneous areas and some of the, I don't know, some of the issues surrounding that. Um, did did that spark for either of you guys at all? Or is that like the third rail of discussion anyway? So.
2: <laughs> not really because i i just do like i mean for me it's like that's a big difference between uh some crazy aliens coming in to destroy everybody and a bunch of people who had their homes blown up by the u.s government so i mean if the u.s government like blew up the aliens home and then they were like fleeing i guess i would make more of a parallel there
0: <laughs> so maybe the motivations to robert's point earlier he didn't see the motivations maybe it is blowback maybe mm. it's space force did something to their planet and then they <laughs> came and colonized Right.
1: Well, they couldn't see him because of the So, yeah, they're taken by surprise by the Space Force who, yeah, who, who blew up their home asteroid.
2: Yeah. And then you'd have to have, like, the government forcing the aliens to, like, live in people's houses and stuff like that. That'd be different. So. <laughs> right. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you know, there's another thing I wanted to, uh, brand because I remembered it. And we always do a little bit of extra, maybe spicier content at the very end here. But we can get into uh, the Kathleen Turner overdrive. Uh, right after this, um, people can check out uh, Red Flag Reality and com to find more of your work. I will also have on our show notes page, um, and this one is ActualAnarchy.com slash 166, your prior appearances. And I think those V for voluntary oh, yeah. uh, glasses made an appearance on your previous appearance. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it is a Groundhog Day episode, so why not? Oh, he's going to double it up. There you go. Oh, all right. Gold. Black and gold, even better. That's, yeah. That's like a level up from just the black and yellow.
2: Right. Yeah, these are all different prototypes of these. So you got the black and yellows and the black and golds. (laughs) No, I dig it. I dig it.
0: Oh, and they're even two different sizes, so maybe you can stack them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be hilarious, right? (laughs) There it is. There it is. It's like some next level stuff right there.
0: (laughs) So we will have uh, links to your... um, your work and your prior appearances at actual, actualanarchy dot com slash one sixty six, and we will be back next week with Nikki P of Peace Freaks for High Fidelity. So maximum free to everyone. We will see you next week.